The Winning Way Podcast is brought to you by 323 Sports. If you're looking for a sports equipment and apparel company, then look no further. 323 Sports will do it right and get you exactly what you need. Visit them at 323sports.com or reach out to sales at 323sports.com to get in contact with a team rep today. Like them, follow them, and add them at 323sports to keep up with all things in the realm of sports equipment and apparel. On episode 15, Zach sits down with Mike and Mark from the Off Duty ADs to discuss what it is like being an athletic director in the public school sector. The Off Duty ADs share their path to becoming an AD and selecting this career. We discuss what a district AD does in comparison to a normal athletic director, and we touch on COVID protocols between our schools and programs. Lastly, we discuss the importance of the NIAAA and other athletic director associations. Please be sure to check out the Off-Duty ADs on all streaming platforms. Enjoy this episode, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Winning Way, and feel free to email us any questions, suggestions, and comments at thewinningwaypodcast at gmail.com. Enjoy. All right, this is the Winning Way Podcast. I am uh, Zach Shank, um, and we've got uh, something a little different here today. We have uh, connected and, and partnered up here with uh, the Off-Duty ADs, which uh, they have been a, a long-established uh, podcast in the uh, athletic director realm. Um, and I'm very excited about this one because we get to talk about a few things and compare their everyday life as an athletic director in the public school sector in comparison to uh, mine uh, here in the private school. So again, this is the Winning Way podcast. We're here with the off-duty ADs. Uh, so if you guys will introduce yourselves, we'll start with you, uh, Mark. Yeah, Zach, first and foremost, thanks for having us. Um, I'm Mark Rarick. Uh, I'm the district athletic director in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, you know, just real briefly, I guess, about our podcast, it's, it's funny to hear us, uh, I guess, described as the long-established athletic director podcast since we're, we're at about two and a half years right now. So really, uh, I, I've got the gray beard going, Mike, so you must be long in the tooth. Uh, but uh, it was, you know, now about three and a half years ago, I guess, we, we talked about, uh, um, Mike and Ryan and I started talking about how there, there really wasn't this space filled in the podcast world. There, there wasn't much for high school athletic directors. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of collegiate leadership, a lot of just athletic leadership, um, but nothing specifically for high school ADs. And, and so much like you guys, we thought, what the heck, let's, uh, let's see what we can do with it and, and bought a couple of things and started recording and, and we have been uh, numbing folks' minds ever since. So uh, you get you get two of the three of us tonight. Um, Ryan is uh, is with family uh, on Thanksgiving adventures right now. Um, so you got uh, you got stuck with the the less knowledgeable two thirds. We bring Ryan in to be the expert. Uh, but uh, it's good to have us. I'm uh, I'm glad that, uh, that you brought us in. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys being here, and uh, I've loved listening to you guys and 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 using you guys as. Uh, um, I know you'll hate this term, but professional development in some form or fashion. So appreciate what you guys do. And then, of course, we're here with, uh, with Mike as well. So, Mike, if you'll go ahead and introduce yourself. What's up, y'all? This is Mike. Oh, 
this is the start that I get. I don't get that this week. Uh, usually after after Mark gets done with, with with his with his rambling, that I just I just jump in with the what's all what's up, y'all. Um, this you might, ours up and then nail it for Zach. I see what's going on here. <laughs> uh, my name is Mike Hughes. I'm the athletic director at uh, Lakewood High School here in in suburban Denver, Colorado. Um, um, I've been an athletic director now. This is my twenty third year as an athletics administrator. Uh, I've been at various size schools from the small, so small, the, the, the public uh, schools on the Western Slope that were very small, 125 kids to now my school is about 2,100 uh, students here in the Denver metro area. So uh, seeing it from a little different perspective than, uh, than what you got going, Zach, but I look forward to, to, to having a little conversation and it's nice to be referred to as professional development. Usually uh, people play plug us in to do drinking games. So this is uh this is a, a nice, a nice alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am uh, ready to dive in, excited to kind of dive in as well. And uh, really want to talk about um, kind of turn things back over to you guys and, and, and talk about our uh, paths to becoming an athletic director. Uh, you know, as we briefly talked and, and, and kind of talked prior to this, you know, I mentioned, and, and as our, you know, the winning way uh, listeners know that, you know, I was, I was thrown into it and, uh, you know, a, a few months out from getting married and, uh, fresh out of college here. And, um, I was like, all right, well, I guess I need to put my degree to work. And, you know, my main degree being, you know, an education degree and a, and a history degree. So I go to teach and next thing you know, I'm, I'm starting an athletic department, you know, for a school that's never had one. And, uh, again, small private school, uh, there in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, throw it together, start a, uh, an athletic program. Uh, but obviously with you guys being at the public school side of things, uh, you should have obviously uh, been into uh, an athletic department that had already been established, whether it was by, you know, a, a head of assistant or a, an athletic director as you being an assistant or whether it was you kind of, you know, moving from school to school, but would like to know a little bit about y'all's paths uh, to becoming an athletic director. Cause I don't know about you guys is obviously being um, 30 one thing that I get talked to about is why did I become an athletic director? And I look at him, I'm like, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know why I necessarily became an athletic director. It just happened overnight and I was an athletic director. Um, but now as I've been in this job now going on, you know, seven years, um, things, you know, I've, I finally have an answer for that. And, uh, you know, as I've established my reasons of, of why this job is great, you know, um, I, I get to educate kind of kids that when they have an opportunity to figure out what they want to do when they go to college, they're starting to look at this as well. So I'd love to hear kind of y'all's paths to becoming an athletic director, whether it's at the school you're at now or, you know, back when you first started. Yeah, it's, uh, I, so my path was about as typical as it gets. Um, I, I was teaching and coaching at a small school here in North Dakota. Um, I was the, the head football coach. Um, the, uh, the AD who had been the AD for a couple years, um, decided that he wanted his life back. And, uh, so stepped, stepped away from the AD job. And, and because I was the head football coach, it was next man up. And, uh, you know, we, we had Jen Brooks on our podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and, you know, we were talking about why, why so many athletic directors look the same. And, and that's why it's, you know, you get into school and you're the head football coach. Well, guess what? Now you're the athletic director. Um, and, uh, and, and part of why I took it on at the time, um, I, was, I was at the tail end of my master's program in, in ed leadership. And my plan at the time was to be in that school district. It was a, a school district that I enjoyed. I enjoyed teaching there. I enjoyed coaching there. 
um, had a really good relationship with the superintendent and, and my intention was to uh, to teach in that school until the principal left um, and then I was going to become the principal there and then eventually the superintendent would retire and I'd be the superintendent and and we had talked at the time about trying to you know kind of consolidate the administrative roles in the district um, you know for the longest time the athletic director in that district had been a, a teacher coach um, and, and the superintendent had a, had a desire to package that together with the principal job and that, and that was what I wanted to do I wanted to be a principal and so I thought, okay, well, we'll get a jump start on that. And, um, and so I was doing the AD job in the small school. Um, a couple of years down the road, uh, the, the principal left, so the job opened up, uh, and I didn't get it. And I, I stayed for, for two years, um, and I, I threw some apps out. I mean, like, like most folks who don't get the job that they want, I was, I was pretty upset. I was pretty fired up. Um, you know, the day after not getting it, I was dead set on going anywhere as fast as humanly possible. Um, and uh, a week later, I calmed down a little bit. <laughs> so I ended up staying in the district for two more years, which was good. I uh, coached the team to a state title and, and a semifinals in those next two years that I stayed. Um, but I, I still thought I was going to be a principal. And, you know, I got two years out and, and I decided it was, it was time to leave. Uh, it was time to use my degree. And so I, I splashed apps all over the great, great state of, of North Dakota um, and, and uh, had several interviews, got a couple offers. Um, turned a superintendent job down in a, in a small school, which didn't seem like a good fit. And then a couple of weeks later, a uh, large, larger school on the Western side of the state um, offered me an assistant principal slash athletic director job. And the appeal to me uh, again was the principal piece because that's what I wanted to do. And, and um, I was maybe two months into that, three months into that. And I realized I, I really enjoyed being an AD. Um, and, and really at that point, that was it. I, uh, I, I locked into the AD stuff. I, you know, started talking to people about how to become more active in our state organization, um, certainly in our national organization and, and looking for places to go. I was at that school for two years um, when this job opened up and, and this job is, it's one of only, I think, five district level AD jobs in, in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. And so I uh, had to take a swing at it. And uh, here I am, year nine here. So I've, I've been an AD for, for 15 years across three different school districts and uh and i feel locked into it now um you know i i, I just finished my doctorate um you know i've got my principal credentials i got my superintendent credentials um but i'm doing what i like doing and so i i'm one of those guys who who kind of accidentally stumbled into it because of the rest of my background and it took me a little bit of time but i i like it i mean i i enjoy it and and uh certainly not planning on jumping out anytime soon yeah absolutely um it's super cliche to say, but when you love what you do, it's not work. And, um, you know, it, it really is the truth, especially dealing with, with athletic departments and sports teams. And being someone that played sports growing up my entire life, playing collegiate sports as well, um, why not work around sports? It just makes sense. And uh, you go back and you look a little further, kind of even more on a, I guess, more serious side of things. You know, some of the people, biggest people that influenced my life growing up were coaches of some form or fashion. And so for me, it's the opportunity to kind of be able to, to in return, give back and, and do what those coaches did in my life, whether, you know, again, private or public, you know, coaches have a huge impact in, in kids' lives. Uh, Mike, what about you, man? Well, I have a really completely divergent path than Mr. Eric. Um, I was a high school football coach. <laughs> I mean, this is almost like the spitting image of his track and my track were almost exactly the same. Uh, small school on the Western slope of Colorado. 
Uh, I was a head football coach, head girls basketball coach, uh, coached various sports, track, baseball, uh, helped in any way, shape, and form I could. Um, and then year three at that school, I was had some success as a coach to that point. And uh, I guess I became the resident expert enough to take over the athletic department program, you know, as far as the AD. So I had no idea what I was doing. Not a clue. I just, I told my wife, my wife's name is Emo. I told Emo a couple of days ago, I'll never forget my first meeting. I walk in, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a binder. I didn't have, I mean, this is still the time of paper. This isn't like people are pulling up with laptops. I mean, we're, we're talking, I'm walking in with a pen, like here I am. I mean, let's, let's get this meeting going. Uh, I quickly learned how, how much went into this gig and, and like Mark and, and like yourself, Zach, I just kind of fell in love with it. It was, um, I found my skills matched a lot of what was needed for this job. I was a, I'm a high school social studies teacher as well. Uh, loved it, loved teaching economics, government, US world history, geography, sociology, had the whole gamut. Uh, but when I found this kind of calling, I guess is if you want to call it that, it just fit all of my skills and I get to coach coaches. I get to help people, you know, establish and develop programs and, and build culture and, and work through um, every kind of aspect of team building and, and the things that we need to do to, to help grow our programs. And uh, I've been a part of it now at four different school districts. And um, this hopefully will be either my last day at Lakewood high school, or maybe a district opportunity comes up then I'll, I'll, I'll look at that. Um, but that would be about it. I don't see myself really going anywhere else. I have a one-year-old son. Uh, I'm an older first-time dad. So uh, Leo was, as I said, just turned one. And I I look forward to being here um, at Lakewood or having him come through our school because I love it. I think it's just an amazing school with amazing academic credentials. And and we'll uh, we'll see what 18 years down the road goes. But man, I gotta be old. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I wanna look that far down the road. Yeah, uh, well, that's awesome. Um, congratulations. How old did you say your son was? Sorry, he just turned one. Uh, he's, he just turned one on the 2nd of November. So we're getting his uh, second holiday season, but the first one where he can actually crawl around and become a terror. That's awesome. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I, um, we have a, uh, she'll be eight months next, uh, next week. Um, so we are celebrating the first holidays, um, and, uh, and it's exciting. Um, so, you know, it's, it's already, um, hard enough to throw a child into the life of an athletic director, but throw a child into the life of a middle of a pandemic as well. Uh, and it just makes for a, a heck of a time. So, um, it's been fun for the last eight months, but anyway, well, cool. Um, the paths, uh, obviously each everybody's got their own path and everybody takes a, uh, a different route. And uh, I appreciate you guys kind of sharing that. Um, one of the main questions I have that, that we don't see in the private school sector at all is uh, district ADs. Um, I know that, uh, that Mark, you, you, you are a district AD uh, there in North Dakota. And I know Mike, you just talked about that, you know, whether or not it, it may come here in the near future or uh, later on down the road, explain to, you know, our athletic directors that, that listen to us that are in the private school side of things. Uh, what is a district AD and, and what does the job require? Yeah, and my, my definition of this is going to be a little goofy because we uh, in, in Grand Forks, our job structure is considerably different than what is normal, I guess, for district ADs. 
Um, in, in fact, I think across our great nation, I've only found one other district in, in the entire nation who structures their department the way that Grand Forks does. Um, but uh, I, I work out at the district office, um, but on my plate also, I'm, I'm the building level AD for both of my high schools to boot. Um, so I, you know, I have 41 head coaches, or excuse me, 41 programs um, under my belt. I think we've got it staffed by 38 coaches right now, 36 coaches, something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you talk about the time that it takes to be an AD, um, you know, now do that without building relationships because that's, that's one of the difficult um, things for me is being a building AD when you're not in the building. I'm not in either one of my buildings. Um, and so that's, that's a little more difficult. Um, a more traditional district AD though, um, you know, that I guess the, probably the best explanation I could give, um, you know, Zach, if, if you and all of the other private schools around you had basically one athletic department superintendent-ish type person who made sure that all of the basic rules and policies and structures and procedures for all of your schools looked the same um, and, and made sure that you know everything from school to school to school to school to school was was equitable um, and then within that you as a building ad can build your own culture and, and build your own you know environment um, that, that's essentially what a district AD does. And so a, a lot of it is policy. Um, a lot of it is procedure. There's certainly a financial component. Um, you know, one of, uh, one of my great passions um, that, that I'm continually seeking for is just the idea of running a true educational-based athletic department um, where, you know, where as the district AD, you know, I, I would really like to be sitting at the table with our assistant superintendents and with our chief, chief academic officer and our director of curriculum and, and tech ed and, and CIAPD and, you know, and all of those folks. So, you know, so when they're discussing, you know, what a math classroom looks like, um, I want to be shoulder to shoulder with those folks to make sure that our basketball practices look the exact same way. Um, because that's essentially how I want our programs run. You know, whatever you're doing in the math classroom, whatever you're doing in the social studies classroom, that's what I want going on. Uh, I'm on the soccer pitch, I'm in the basketball you know, court. Um, and so I, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. Um, you know, if you think about a multi-building school district, what a superintendent is to that multi-building district, that's essentially what a district AD um, really is for a, a multiple school um, athletic department. It's, it's that coordination and, and really that, that equity piece. Um, the, the real challenge for me, again, you know, being in both buildings and, and my buildings are, uh, they're, they're different. Uh, one of them, uh, one of them had its, uh, the building itself had its hundredth birthday, not that long ago. Uh, the, the school is quite a bit older than that. My other one just turned 50. Um, the, the socioeconomic status of the families on each half of town is considerably different. And the, the staffing is different. The feel of the school is different. Um, you know, and so for me as the building AD in both of those schools, it, it's really tough for me to become a part of the culture in those buildings. Um, because, you know, again, first of all, you're not in it, but, but then you also flip flop between the two, you know, I might, uh, on any given day, I might go directly from a meeting in one of my high schools, um, with a parent and kids and coaches and drive across town to the other high school and do the exact same thing. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, it's, it's a little more difficult where, you know, traditionally you'd have a building AD who would be a, a part of, of all of that. You can still make the building your own. Um, and so I, I got a little rambly there. Um, our, uh, our district is, is just different. 
but that district AD piece, it, it's, uh, you know, you sacrifice a little bit. You get a, you get a larger voice, um, you know, really in the philosophical piece, um, but you're really sacrificing that relationship piece. You're not, uh, you know, the toughest thing for me, uh, I got into education for kids. I mean, I, I, I love being around kids. I like coaching kids. I like teaching kids. Um, I, I left teaching, quite frankly, for the paycheck. Um, that, that was why I went into administration. Um, I didn't know if I'd be good at it or not. I didn't know if I'd like it or not. Um, I left because the paycheck was bigger. Um, it turns out I'm, I think I'm okay at it and I like doing it. Um, but uh, I tell people all the time, I mean, 29 out of 30 days of the month, I miss being a teacher because I really miss the kids. Um, you know, that's, uh, and that's, a, that's probably the toughest part about being out at the district office. Yeah, that's... Um... That is interesting. I mean, you know, there's times where it's like, you know, I'm sitting in my office. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here, much less try to figure out what I was supposed to do for two different schools. Um, and, and you kind of answered this, but my question was, you know, I mean, you know, how, how do you pick what polo, what color polo you wear for the day or, you know, what, what logo you're putting on your shirt? You know, is it school A or school B or, you know, what game do you go to? Um, and, I, and I guess you, you didn't answer that one. Um, what is the requirement for games? You know, for, for me, I don't have to be at every single game, but it, it is nice for my parents to be able to see the athletic director walk through a middle school boys basketball game and, and wave and, and, and you know, in, in my terms, show a little face, talk with our parents, you know, and, and, and spend 10, 15 minutes in the gym as I'm walking from, you know, a meeting back to my office. You know, how do you, how do you go about that? I mean, what are you required to be at? Um, you know, I know that's got to be difficult for culture building, especially on a, a school spirit side. Yeah. So, you know, as part of our structure, we have um, we have student activity directors in each building um, and they're not they're not uh, traditional building level athletic directors like, you know, like you would think of the folks that we visit with, you know, at state conferences, national conferences. Um, they do help me out with the game stuff. They'll find workers, you know, so I don't have to find a PA and a scoreboard and line judges and stuff like that. They do that. Um, but uh, observation of coaches, um, and, and this is where this is where our structure really gets a little silly, uh, because I, I observe and evaluate coaches. Uh, retention or replacement is under my belt, um, but there is no requirement for me to be at contests. Uh, it's it's you know I don't I don't have to be there. Now I'm there because you know how the heck else do you do you observe coaches unless you see them. Um, but quite frankly, I mean, if, you know, if I can get between practices and games, if I can see a coach six times throughout the course of the entire season, that's quite a bit. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the, it's one of the things that we, that we fight here because, you know, there's so many times that our coaches are unobserved, um, you know, and we have game coverage, our, our principals, um, you know, our principals and our activities directors will provide game coverage. Um, at the games, um, but you know they're not—they're not always there to watch the coaches because that's—you know—that's not within their purview. So uh, it's funny that you talk about polos. Um, two just really quick stories from my first year here, because um, I, I have always been like a like a school color rah rah guy, right? And and uh, so I get here, and that's one of the first things that I did was uh, you know got a handful of things with team logos and colors, and just to make sure that you know when I show up at a central game, I'm wearing central gear, and when I'm at a Red River game, I'm wearing Red River gear. <laughs> and uh, we have a lot of shared facilities: um, our football, soccer, track and field, hockey rinks. Um, they're shared facilities. And that first year, I think twice, um, I, I thought I was going to one of my school's games and got there and realized it was the other school playing, and so I had the wrong color on. Um, and so what I started doing in year two in the fall 
um, you know, we play uh, boys soccer and, and football in the fall. Um, I, I keep a, a pullover from each school in my pickup all the time. And so I, I don't, uh, I don't even attempt to coordinate game day. I just, you know, wear whatever I wear to work. And then when I pull up to the field, I'll throw the right pullover on. Um, and I, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, oh, this is, I mean, this is kind of silly, you know, people know that my role is dual. Um, my second year in the district, I bought a new pickup and uh, I, I bought gray, which should be benign, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty vanilla. I bought a gray pickup. Uh, one of my schools is red and black. The other school is, is maroon and gray. And uh, the first time that I, that I pulled up to the red and black school in my new gray pickup, I mean, I, I wasn't 50 feet from my door before I got in where somebody pointed out that I had purchased a central color pickup and I went, huh. <laughs> so, so the pickup in my driveway now is white. Uh, I have two polos hanging in the back seat <laughs> right now. It's just things you figure out. You know, my, my predecessor, um, uh, Todd, he, uh, he lived in forest green and navy blue. <laughs> he just said, not getting into it. <laughs> it's just a lot of navy blue. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's got to be uh, an interesting way. I mean, you know, the district AD aspect of it. Is that, um, and, and maybe, Michael, maybe you could, you could answer this one. Um, you have athletic director, you know, obviously what it sounds like is that next step is district AD. Is that what most athletic directors in the public school side are striving for? Or, you know, as you're an assistant principal, you ultimately, you know, want to be a principal at some point in time. Is that kind of how it works for regular athletic directors into district ADs as well? Uh, it's interesting. To, there's there's a lot of different structures. Uh, we've talked about this on our pod quite a bit about what my role is actually as an assistant principal athletic director. I have a dual role. I, I do part of my job is is wrapped into an assistant principal duties. So I have a portion of the alphabet where I have, you know, my kids fall in, in the alphabet TF through Z. Anybody with the last name in that category falls into my my purview for academics and discipline. So I work with a counselor and and we, we take care of that, that segment of our population of kids. So I have that area and then I have athletics as well. Now that different area, I don't have activities. So I don't have band or choir or the performing arts, uh, graduation, student senate, any of that. that. That's I did at my other school when I was when I was athletics and activities director. But that's I was a TOSA there. Um, so in Jeffco, I'm, I'm one of I'm, Lakewood is one of 18 high schools in Jeffco. So we do have a district athletic director. Like I said, Mark kind of gave you a nice synopsis of what a DAD does. Um, and I, I'll give you one more thing that Mark didn't mention that there's a lot of facility management. So at that point, you know, just having facility coordination with 18 high schools using various facilities jointly and making sure that those systems are in place to make sure that runs smoothly and, and making sure that all that stuff is kind of handled well, uh, as well as policy. And, and it's, a, it's a lot of adult stuff. So as Mark said, that the negative part is you're not with kids. So I think it really just kind of depends. Some people want to move up in the, in the principal realm and maybe end on that end of things. Other people are just really happy in this role, which I would probably be for the rest of my career. I love being in building. It gives me a lot of juice. It gives me a lot of energy. Uh, having colors, like Mark said, I don't know which color to wear. Well, I, I know what colors I'm wearing. So every day I'm wearing this, the, you know, the, the orange and black. And, and um, I'm really, really excited about that opportunity to, to be somebody that gets to be, you know, support my school. Now, when, if that comes, like Mark said, 
if that comes, I, our district athletic director is terrific. His name is Jim Beckfault. And Jim wears a lot of uh, sweaters and a lot of ties, and none of them have any one particular school on them. So he's very uh, good about not tipping, tipping his hat. He's just, he's in that district office and, um, you know, where the decisions are made for our district as a whole with the direction that we're going to go. But like Mark said, it's individual school by school where everybody has their own autonomy to to kind of create their own entity themselves. So, um, I, yeah, it just all depends. I mean, maybe that is a, a career path for some. And, and for me, it is something I've considered a lot. I, I don't know if that's something I want to do um, or not yet. It is, but it is something I consider. And I, I try and kind of have a, at least a learner's mindset when it comes to watching meetings and how things are directed in conversations with Mark and, and Jim and several others that have that role already to try and learn and, and see if that is some direction that I may want to go at some point in my career. Okay. Awesome. Um, so getting a good, you know, wrap on district AD kind of sliding into our, our next question. Um, you guys, again, both in public schools, what are the requirements for a public school AD? Um, you know, on the private side of things, you don't necessarily have to have a degree in athletic administration. You do not have to have a degree, you know, a major or a minor. You do not have to have a master's. You don't have to. It, it kind of just comes down to, you know, hey, they, they're qualified or they've been a coach for however long or they were an assistant or we hired them as a PE teacher. We see that a lot in our, you know, private school side where a lot of your ADs are PE teachers. Um, for me personally, uh, I have an education degree with a sports administration minor. Uh, so mine is a little bit more, you know, falls into place with, with what I do. Um, and as you know, we currently furthering our, our education as I am as well right now um, in that field of sports administration. But what is the process um, that somebody would have to go through uh, to be the public school athletic director? What are the requirements per school or district? And I'm sure it's obviously different maybe in each state. Um, but yeah, I uh, would like to hear a little bit about that. Uh, so let me just start from Colorado's angle first, and then I'll turn it over to Mark so he can give you kind of a different state by state. So you're right on. I mean, there are a lot of different ways in this profession. Some are uh, a stipend, that it's a stipend position to where it's like an extra job duty that's added to it in the smaller schools. I see that a lot. There's still teachers and coaches in their district, and it's a stipend that they get to do the, to do the athletic director job for their school. Um, the larger the school gets, typically the more singular the job becomes and, and there becomes less and less classes taught and then becomes where at the larger schools, um, like where I am, you, you get one of two options. One is a, it's called a teacher on special assignment, a TOSA, and the TOSA can be uh, on a teaching matrix and then they generally allow for extra days on their per diem that they get to work up to a 210 or a 215, depending on the contract length of that particular school district. Uh, the district I'm in now, uh, you have to be a, a principal, you have to be principal licensed. So you have to have the credential that it would take. So you have to have your master's, your MA, um, and then in your ed educational leadership typically is the route that most people take to get that. So um, my MA and ed leadership kind of fit perfectly with what I wanted to do. Um, as an athletics administrator at a larger school district. So it fit in pretty well for me. Uh, but I know that's different in some other places. And Mark's got a little different kind of way that they do it in, in North Dakota. Yeah, and we're actually 
fairly similar um, for most of it. Um, you know, I, I talked about being a small school AD to begin with, and um, these numbers still stick out. And I, I wasn't an AD my first year there, but I remember the percentages. Um, head coaches in the district would make 10% of the, of the base salary plus your experience. Um, and the AD was a stipend, just what Mike is talking about. It was 15%. Um, so I, you know, I, I signed my first teaching contract for $22,000. Um, and, and in that year, a head coach would have made $2,200 and the AD would have made $3,300. And, uh, the, the first year that I was an AD, um, and I taught high school English, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a dual, um, dual major English PE, but I was only teaching English. Um, and we were a standard seven period high school day. And the, the first year that I was an AD, I was head football, assistant baseball. I was teaching six of seven periods and I took the AD job on. So, um, you know, as a small school English teacher, I mean, you know, I'm teaching two sections of eighth grade, two sections of 10th grade, um, a section of seniors. And I think I had an elective, but I mean, you're talking research papers and essays and, you know, all that grading that you're supposed to be doing over your prep period. Um, but these are also the days where, you know, I think I had a class, I think I'd had a phone in my classroom, um, but everything was still fax, which was down in the office. And so, you know, your three minute passing time, our, our high school was like a, a giant U shape and my, the offices were on like the base of the U and my classroom was at the far end of one leg of the U. And so your four minute passing time usually consisted of me sprinting down to the office to fax something real quick. And I, and I remember the feeling of what a huge win it was in my second year because I negotiated a, a period for the AD job. So in year two, I was head football assistant baseball teaching five of seven. And uh, I actually got my, my AD period, my prep period and my lunch, 25 minutes, or whatever it was, were all back to back to back. Um, so that was big. So now for that one, um, you know, again, it was, it was always teachers. So you had to have your education degree because you, you know, you would have been an in-house coach um, who was teaching. Uh, the next job I had is very similar to what Mike's talking about. It was a, an assistant principal slash AD. So you needed your master's, um, you know, because you had to do the principal role. Um, the interesting thing is with my current role, um, because my current role, which, uh, you know, you evaluate coaches, but you don't evaluate teachers. And so my, my current role is master's preferred. It's not master's required. Um, now, I, I don't know. I would really have to dig into the archives to find the last AD in Grand Forks who didn't have a master's um, or at least didn't get it while they were in the AD role. Um, and so it's, it's a pretty common path. But, um, you know, the third member of the off-duty ADs, um, Ryan would be an even better one to talk to because he wasn't a teacher. Um, and his degree isn't in education. He's got a business degree. And uh, that was kind of the, the path that he followed. Um, you know, he's somebody who, you know, again, college football player, um, you know, who was coaching and, and had an opportunity and, and had a, a business background. So, you know, he, he was buttering his bread on the operational management side of things. Um, you know, he was, he was good with the scheduling and he's good with numbers and he's good with personnel. Um, and, and then, you know, really had to kind of learn the educational base component to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, I think it's similar in every state. You know, it really just, it, a lot of it depends on what your school wants out of the athletic director. And I, you know, one of the things that I tell new ADs all the time, um, you know, regardless of the school that you get into, I think one of the first conversations you need to have with your boss is, you know, what, what exactly is it that this district wants out of its athletic director? Am I an educational leader or am I a program manager? Um, and then, you know, the obvious answer is it's going to be, it's a combination of both of those because you have to be those things. And so then well, let's put that on a scale. 
how much of my day do you want me to spend being an educational leader? And how much of my day do you want me to spend being a program manager? Um, and really that's going to get tied into that required education. Uh, you know, if, if, if you're really going to treat your coaches like teachers, if you're going to hold your head football coach to the same standard that you're holding your trigonometry teacher to, um, you probably need to be an educational leadership. I mean, there needs to be a, a little bit of background there. Um, whether you come into the role with the, with the degree or whether you spend the first, you know, one, two, three, four years learning all you can about that world. Uh, but it really just depends on what the district wants out of you in that AD role. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that makes uh, more sense, obviously, as, as we go through. And uh, we're seeing that more and more um, where, you know, in the private school side of things where administrators or head of, heads of schools are wanting their athletic directors to be as certified as they can get you know, with, without requiring a master's program. Um, but I eventually think that, you know, we, we could get to that point where, you know, my position as AD is considered administration. And I see in the private school side of things that, you know, in order for a person to be in administration, you're going to end up having to have a master's. Um, so we're kind of seeing that, that transition. Um, who knows how long it could take before it gets to that, you know, and, and obviously it's always going to be different in every private school because, the head of schools or the school boards make those decisions within those schools. Um, but Mark, very similar to uh, how you started. Uh, we had a seven period day. Um, I was teaching uh, six out of seven periods, head football coach in the fall and head varsity girls basketball coach in the winter. And I was, you know, brand new first year teaching first year athletic director, first year, everything, you know, uh, the only positive thing I had was on as I was an assistant uh, coach at a, at a college down there in Florida. And that was about the only experience I had in the realm of, of coaching and, and helping facilitate programs and teams. And um, again, kind of same thing negotiated as going into the next year said, Hey, I need another break. I can't, something's going got to give here. And it's, I'm either going to suffer on the education side of things like what you talked about. Am I the educational leadership or am I to deal with athletics? And I said, I can't be good at both. I've got to pick one or the other and I need your help. And so they were great and worked with me, but man, it was tough. Yeah. You know, my, my principal that year um, in my, in my eval, and I think that was my fifth year teaching in that school. Um, but, uh, and I, uh, Mike knows I could go off on a rant about my principal at that time. Um, but uh, my eval that year consisted almost entirely of how I was never at my door supervising the hallway during passing time. That was the extent. I mean, my, my, my teacher evaluation that year had absolutely nothing to do with my methodology in the classroom. It had nothing to do with the curriculum I was teaching and nothing to do with how well our kids were learning English um, or, or any of that. It was, you know, I would, I would pretty routinely, we, we were doing um, like the character counts program at that time. It wasn't that it was, but similar to that. So, so the first 11 minutes of the day was, uh, you know, you had a group of kids in your room, it was character counts. And I was fortunate enough that I had, my group of 11 was a group of, of very high flying juniors and seniors. Um, kids where, you know, mom and dad had been teaching these kids character for 17 years. There's nothing I'm gonna give them in 10 minutes. And so my evaluation that year, um, like I said, consisted of how I was never at my door for hallway supervision and how I routinely spent character counts on the phone. 
And that was kind of the catalyst for me going back to the superintendent. And I, I knew I had done a good job in the AD role. And so that was the catalyst of going back to, to our superintendent and saying, I mean, here's the deal. You got to give me time to do this or I'm out. I mean, cause I, I, I can't, I'm not going to survive as a teacher. I'm not going to survive as a person if this is the type of rinky dink stuff that's going to get written into my eval. And, um, it, you know, you, uh, it, kind of backtracking a little bit, um, you talked about certification. I think one of the things that's, that's really going well, um, and it's happening in multiple States right now, you know, with the growth of the NIAAA is that you're starting to see a lot of districts, um, either requiring or preferring the CAA designation. Um, and, and you'll see a lot of, you know, a lot of school districts now listing jobs where it's CAA required, CMAA preferred, um, where I, you know, I, I think that our national group has done a really nice job of, of, you know, following the accreditation process and really making uh, our organization and our certification worth it. And uh, I, I think that's another path, um, you know, to get there without, you know, maybe without necessarily having the education degree where you can get your foot in the door in a small school and, and you know, you can do the LTCs and, and you can be a part of national conferences and you can, you know, pass that CAA exam and then start looking for bigger AD jobs if that's what you want, you know, with, without going around of ed leadership. And um, I think just a, a real, you know, real big shout out for what, what the NIAAA has done in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, because that's really exploded across the nation too. Yeah, so uh, it's funny that you bring them up. Um, that was actually my very last point that I wanted to cover. Um, so we'll jump to it and uh, kind of mix it around. How important is, whether it's the NIAAA or whether it's any national athletic director association, whatever it is, how important are those groups or those associations to not just athletic directors in general, but even the private school side of things? I mean, how can you um, push for private school ADs to join some form or some national association? So I think the, I, I mean, I, th I think the biggest, the, the biggest piece about that for any AD, um, and I don't, I don't even think it's so much, you know, trying to push private school ADs into it as it should be private school ADs pulling themselves into that world. Um, you know, because as you know, that, you know, one of the biggest difficulties about being an AD is you're the only one. There are no others of you in the school. Um, and, you know, even, even, if you're, even if you're teaching at a tiny little school where you're the only math teacher, there's still an English teacher next door. There's still a social studies teacher next door. Um, as an AD, you're, you're the only AD. You're it. And so you got to form relationships somewhere. And I, I mean, the, the easiest place has always been, you know, in your district, because you, you have to go to your district meetings, your conference meetings, whatever they're called, right? You have to go to those, the, the schools that you play most often. Um, but there's really only so much that you can learn from those. And so you've got to expand. And, and I think the state organizations are a great next step. And I mean, and anybody who's been to a, a national athletic director conference will tell you the single best four days you'll get as an AD. I mean, it's, I, I, I have yet to meet the athletic director who goes to the NADC and says, ah, I didn't really get anything out of it because <laughs> it doesn't happen. Um, you know, in, in terms of a, of a public school AD reaching out to private school AD, I mean, I, you know, I was, I was laughing a little bit when you invited us on here. I said, because it's not very often that, that private school ADs uh, invite public school ADs to the private school bashing. But here you are, you know, bringing, bringing a couple of us on here so we can hammer on the private schools. Um, but, uh, you, you know, we talked to the, the private school in our league um, with the AD. We have such a great relationship with them that 
you know, he's, he's doing things like how we're doing them and, and, you know, we're stealing ideas from him and, and, you know, our, I think his programs are run the same way ours are, or ours are run the same way as his, whichever direction you want to look at it. Um, the only difference is how you get your kids in school. You know, his, his process for getting kids in his front door is different than our process. Um, and, and, you know, right, wrong or otherwise, it, it's just a different process. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if it's easier for me to run my programs the right way, if I know he's doing that also. Um, and likewise, you know, he's, he's one private school um, in, a, in a sea of 11 in the conference. It's a lot easier for him to get his folks to do it the right way if, if he's doing it the same you know, when he goes to other places. And I, I think that's the, I think that's the single biggest reason to get involved is just because you can bounce those ideas off of people and, and you can beg, borrow and steal. Um, and it's mostly steal in our profession, right? Find, find somebody who's doing it the right way and, and do it the same way. Um, Cause I, I think, you know, you're already on an Island in your own building as an AD. Um, and I just, I just think it would be terrible if you left yourself on an Island in your, in your conference or your region or your state um, it's just so important to, to have those folks that you can call, uh, whether for it's, you know, whether it's advice, whether it's the vent, um, whatever it is, but that relationship is just such a huge piece about being an effective AD. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as I, when I first got to Raleigh in 2017, um, you know, at that point I had established relationships. Um, and one thing that I think is very important um, in an athletic director or a coach's realm um, is networking and, and networking in the market of building relationships. Uh, my wife hates it um, just because everywhere we go, I know someone. And, you know, it's because I network, I talk with people, I am, I've got one of those, you know, memories, I remember faces. Um, and, you know, and, and likewise for other people with me, um, but again, it's networking. Um, so I've had a few, you know, ADs have started out, you know, and just, Last year, we were in another um, same state association, but different conference. We moved up a classification from 1A to 2A. And uh, back in our old 1A uh, conference, we had two brand new athletic directors. And I told them, I said, look, get out, network, get to every AD meeting that you can get to. Do not make an excuse to miss it. Get out there, talk with the other ADs that have been in this business, in this association, in this business for as, you know, long, way longer than you and I. And, um, you know, I had one of them come back to me and, you know, will pat on my back said, Hey, that was the best advice somebody had given me prior to coming into this meeting. And, uh, you know, and it's good for, for him to see, you know, kind of finally see it click. It's like with our players, you keep telling them over and over and over, do this, do this, and it will work. And they finally do it and it clicks. You see the light bulb turn on. And so these young athletic directors who were in, you know, same shoes I was in back, you know, how many ever years ago are now doing the same thing. So um, I love associations because uh, mainly I love networking and I love connecting with people. Um, and so I, I'm, a, I'm a big person and, and a big component of that. Um, so I appreciate, um, like you said, it's not pushing, but more so those ADs pulling themselves into it. And if you really want to be good at what you do, you got to get out and, and, make yourself better at it. Well, and, and, and what you're saying, you know, and, and Mike is really good about talking about this in our podcast, what you're saying, it's so difficult because, you know, again, you're the only one in your district. So you know that you have to be the expert. So you so badly want to be the expert. And, and it feels like asking anybody for advice or asking anybody for help or asking anybody a question is relinquishing that power. It's relinquishing that level of expert. And, and, and there's just, you know, there's so much pressure. And, and I really think, 
you know, Zach, you were talking about, you know, how, how young you became in AD. Um, and I was in the same boat. I think I was 28, 27, 28 when I was, when I was in AD um, for the first time. And it was the same thing, right? So now you feel like, I mean, so not only, not only am I in this leadership role where I think I should know everything, I also feel like I have to know more because I don't have experience to lean on. And, you know, as the 27-year-old AD, if I'm going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation with my 52-year-old coach, I, I want to believe I know what's going on, right? And, and what I'd like to do now is go back in time and tell myself, it's all right if you don't have all the knowledge. I mean, just have a, have a discussion. Tell them what you're seeing. I mean, you know, have that. And I, I think that's so difficult for, for young anything, not, not just young ADs, just young anything, because, you know, you're, you're, you just you don't want to relinquish that little bit of power that you think you might have. And it's so tough. Um, and so I, you know, I, I tell folks, you know, if you're the new AD and you're walking into an established conference where everybody knows each other, when you walk into that room, there's going to be a group of people laughing. I said, all you do is you walk into that group and you start laughing with them. And it doesn't matter if you don't know what they're talking about. You'll figure it out eventually. But walk into that group and start laughing, right? It's, it's the old Michael Scott quote, right? I love inside jokes. I hope to be a part of one someday. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just it. Jump into it and then figure it out from there. Absolutely. Mike, do you have anything you wanted to uh, add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I think that if you kind of hit Mark hit something on it and you kind of hit something on it, Zach, about the where, where do you want to be? I, I, like I said, if you want to be surrounded by people who are really in the know and are the best at this profession, you got to go to where they are. They're not coming to you. So you got to go to them. And, and the part is, you know, that the state level, whether it be with here, it'd be a Colorado Athletic Director Association, then part of the National, you know, Interscholastic Athletic Administration Association, so the IAAA, you got to go there. You, you got to get in, you know, and you got to be surround yourself with people that are excellent at this job so you can pick up the traits that you want to exhibit because you're not just going to learn them. They're not, they're not always intuitive. They're not just something you can pick it up so much from the legal level and from people that are around you that can help you grow. But like, you know, there's the, the old Maxwell thing. It's the law of the lid. You know, where, where's the lid going to be? And if you're going to lid yourself and put it on your, your level of growth and professional development, then, you know, people are going to be glad just to let your program sit there and flounder. If you want to be great, then you got to go out to where people are great and you got to learn from them and pick their brains and, and find ways. So um, that, you know, to me is, is, I'm a huge PD guy. I just, I think professional development is where it's at. And, and we are one of one. Mark says that we say it a lot. We are one of one in our building. We are one of one. And sometimes in a district, you're one of one in your school there, you know, you can go to teacher training and get a lot of teacher training that help teachers across the, you know, the spectrum of curriculum. Uh, that's not the same in athletics and, and every school has their own different way of going about it. You guys have to raise funds. You have to do different things. And then we do, but you got to pick the brains of people that are great at it. And uh, I've learned over time how to become a pretty good question asker, I think. And, and I, I, I know myself that I'm not very smart. So I, instead of going in with an, uh, I go in with a pretty open mind so I can be taught and learn from those that are great. And um, that's, that's been pretty valuable for me. Yeah, you know, my first year here in Raleigh, um, we are, we're the 1A school right across the street from our biggest classification in our association is 4A. And so you've got a little 1A News Christian on one side of the road, and you've got 4A Ravenscroft, which their campus looks like a, you know, division, NCAA Division three campus. They've got fields all the way out to the front, you know, multiple soccer fields, all sorts of stuff. So you've got little brother and, and big brother here, if you will. 
And I didn't know the athletic director. You know, people said, yeah, that's Ravenscroft. That's, that's this, that's that, whatever. And I said, okay. Send him an email. I said, hey, I'm Zach Shank, new athletic director over at News Christian Academy. Would love to get the chance to talk with you. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. I didn't ask him for anything. I offered if there was anything I could do for him. Does he need my help? Absolutely not. He's been the athletic director of Ravenscroft longer than I've been alive. You know, um, but again, he responded back to it, said, hey, would love for you to come over to the office and sit down and chat. And from that point on, a relationship was built. And it was just simply sending an email, introducing myself, and just breaking that ice, if you will. Um, but I love what you said there, Mark, about, you know, walk up to the group that's laughing and they're laughing at you, but start laughing with them. And, um, you know, cause I've been there. Uh, I'm sure people did that to me. And I know for a fact, I have done that to others. You know, uh, when you see that new athletic director walking, it's like, uh, they hired him to be the AD. You know, I mean, we, we all have that, you know, you have that good old boy system where it's like, Whoa, what just happened here? Um, but those are, those are huge things. And um, I think that's some really good insight. Now sliding to our next topic um here at the winning way we're not big on this topic we started in the middle of a pandemic we don't like to always talk about it but i've got to cover public school private school covid protocol um and associations because i know what we're doing here in our private school association or in and um in comparison to our public school systems um just this evening i was talking to a good friend of mine who's a public school uh basketball coach and he was like you know we, we can only have 25 people in the gym at that given time and so that means whether it's players, coaches, essential workers, managers, all that good stuff, they can only have 25 in the gym. Well, for us, we can have fans. We can have up to 25 fans plus all of our athletes, coaches, and essential personnel. So I'd love to hear what you guys and, and y'all's districts um, and the public school side of, of what you guys are doing to handle uh, COVID and to prevent it from spreading inside your school and with your athletes. Finger crossing. Really? I think that's right. It's kind of like, come on. Yeah. Or, or walking in blind with a blindfold on. Right. <laughs> right. Right. What, uh, you know, Ryan, Ryan talks a lot about building the, in the airplane in the air. Um, this is, this is such a unique discussion when you, when you talk to folks around the country, um, you know, everybody starts this discussion with you. Well, I hate to make this political, but a hundred percent it is. And I mean, I, I work in a very red state. Uh, we, we are, we are red, 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 red. And so, you know, any, any time that, that there's a suggestion of some sort of personal restriction, um, there are a lot of folks who get pretty fired up about that. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, Zach, I think North Carolina is a little, little red too. Uh, I think um, we're more purple than anything purpose, else. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you vote Republican for a president and then you turn two years later and vote Democrat for a governor. So I don't know what we are. Sure. sure. Uh, you know, uh, sure. It is what it is, but yeah. So, you know, so it, it, it's, it's interesting. So I, I'm actually, you know, we're talking about state associations. Um, I'm actually currently the vice president of the North Dakota high school activity association on the board of directors. So, um, I, I sit on that group right now or, you know, we're, we're, we're setting the guidelines for the state association. And then of course, within my district, um, it, and it really just varies in, you know, as a, as a state entity, the NDHSAA, you know, you, you want to work in lockstep with our state department of health. You want to work in lockstep with the governor's office. Um, but I mean, everybody's view is different and, you know, we, we're, we're still in a push pull. Um, our, our governor, um, 
you know, for, for those folks that listened to our, our podcast a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, our governor gave us a, a 10 o'clock on Friday night news dump where he was, he was shutting down sports for four weeks. Um, and three days later, he backed that up to two weeks. And it was, it was just the response from the public. And, you know, like most places, um, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, that, that our places are safer, um, you know, because as soon as the, as soon as the shutdown was set, um, you know, kids were intermixing way more than they would if they were in our building. Uh, in fact, a great quote from uh, the, the, the YMCA director um, down in Fargo, you know, he, he said, uh, two days after the shutdown, he said they had the best basketball game that they've ever had in the Fargo Y because it was the two or three best kids from all of the different schools in the, in the Fargo metro area that showed up and played against each other. And, you know, we've, we've used that um, as, as a reason to keep our stuff going. And so, so we're going back to practice um, in a week here now. The, the fan metric is the one that has changed. Um, you know, we've had some schools where it's been unlimited fans, particularly our small schools. Um, it, it's unlimited fans. Um, we had some larger districts who jumped into no fans right away. Um, you know, my district has gone from, you know, kind of limited fans to really limited fans to now no fans. Um, it, but like everybody else, we're just all over the map. Um, you know, there, there really isn't a difference between public and private. Um, I, I think our, our private schools tend to have discussions with the public schools in the same city and they, and they move together. Um, you know, the, the, the big school in Fargo, the, the class A school, uh, private school in Fargo moved right along with Fargo public schools. So whatever the three public high schools were doing, that's what the private school was doing. Um, you know, I think it's been similar across the state. So not a whole lot of difference. And that kind of goes back to the last question that you had though, Zach. I mean, it's just, you know, we all work together so well as ADs. We're all having that discussion. Um, in fact, we'll have AD meetings where, where we are all in harmony and we are all set. And then the variance is once our superintendents get involved, <laughs> you know, we've got, we've got a plan in place where all 11 of us are going to do the exact same thing. And then we go back and sit down with our superintendents. And next thing you know, we're headed in four different directions anyway. Uh, but no real difference between public or private here. Mike? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I come from a, a, a state that's a little different than Mark's as far as our makeup. Um, we are, we are more, blue by nature here and and the nature of and it's not everywhere so this is really kind of a a, a state that is has about a hundred mile stretch of of metro area from fort collins down to pueblo uh maybe 120 miles in that stretch we call it the i-25 corridor uh that includes denver colorado springs pueblo fort collins uh that's the metro component of of Colorado. Everything else is very rural. Everything else in this state is very, very rural in nature. And uh, so you hear a lot of differing opinions uh, of this, of COVID as a whole. But where we're at now is we are at really the the uh, mercy or the whim or the leadership, depending on, I guess, who you are or what, you know, which, which place you are with your mentality of this um, outbreak is at the, the, the county health department level. The county health departments here have such a control over our, um, our numbers and what we are allowed to do, what we are allowed to proceed with. Uh, currently in, in Jeffco and, and where we're at, we're not allowed any fans at any contest. Right now we, are, uh, we weren't intending to start another sports season. We, we've made some differences in our sports calendar until January 4th. Uh, I can even see that being 
adjust it again uh, one more time, maybe back another week or two in January to maybe get after uh, Martin Luther King Day so that we get kind of a maxed amount of time after the holiday season to, to kind of get the travel issue kind of under wraps uh, and see how then testing is. Um, to be honest with you, Zach, where nobody, like Mark referenced, Ryan says it early, he said it very early in COVID that we're like trying to fly an airplane and put it together on the, on the fly. You know, we're trying to get through it. And I, I kind of refer to us as it's, it's kind of, you know, we're the pinata now. We're just kind of getting whacked around because we just don't know what's next. Um, everything kind of changes and shifts and until we kind of get this thing under wraps. We're going to be doing what's safe and you know we talk a lot about masks and we talk a lot about just you know making sure we do what we can under our control and control what we can control to help our kids get to compete and perform and if we do that and we're not able to based on some regulations that somebody puts in place then we got to know that it's for the betterment of our of our state and our metro area and and, and there's a reason for it it's not just somebody's i think coming off of their you know off of on a soapbox and i think I think I should do this. I mean, these are politicians. So these are people that know they're playing to a base and they're playing to some people that they need to, but the county health people are not. They're, they're just doing what they think is the best for the health and safety and welfare of the people in their county. So uh, I look at that and think that we've got a good idea of just following their lead and, and medically doing what we need to do to, to keep our kids as safe as possible and the families in our school as safe as possible. And, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. It's obviously it's been challenged, but we're, we're getting there. I think we'll hopefully we'll, we'll see the end of the 2021 school year and maybe start 21-22 with a clean slate and get some things kind of rolling back what we would consider more near normal at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is um, kind of the whole term of, you know, blind leading the blind here. Um, you know, it is because it's new and that's not discrediting anybody's positions but it's something that we've never dealt with it's something that we've never seen before and uh as we progress on and learn about it um you know we all learn something new every day with it and you know one of the big things for us i mean we've been um i think september 1st uh was kind of our kickoff for our athletic year if you will so we started with fall sports um you know it's a little easier to mandate and, and to kind of control the outdoor sports uh, but for us on the inside, uh, you know, indoor sports, that's where it gets a little tough. You know, you're confined to smaller spaces. You can't space out. You can't, you know, whatever. So, you know, we have been given a list of, of guidelines that we have to cover um, and that we have to follow. Um, but then each school can add to that list. So if they see necessary for, you know, uh, hey, for us here, this is what we're going to do. We meet all of these requirements, but we're going to add in three other requirements. Um, so we've seen that kind of over and over and, and, you know, um, it, but it is, it, it's, it's a learning, um, thing here for everybody as we progress on, uh, one of the things that we did see for our fall season was our spectator policy got better every month. So September it was, you know, or, well, I say every month really about it was every two weeks they reevaluated. So September 1st came around, two weeks later, they reevaluated. From September 1st until that two-week period, we had no fans whatsoever. Um, but you had essential workers. And so, you know, for us, it's, you know, our parents are our essential workers. They're our volunteers. They make us function on a game night. So what we did is we started with our seniors, senior parents. And we said, hey, we have these positions that we have to fill. This makes our night work and go. Um, sign up. 
And so what we did is we filled our essential workers with our parents. Um, you know, there's a loophole for you. Um, but it was a, a, you know, an allowed loophole. So that's how we were able to kind of allow our parents to see their kids play starting with upperclassmen on down. Now, again, smaller school, we can make that happen. You know, you guys on the public school side of things wouldn't be able to, you know, get that done for just a simple volleyball game. You know, we had how many ever people volunteering to work different uh, spots in the gym. So uh, it is different. It is made for uh, somebody asked me, well, isn't it easy not to deal with fans in a gym as an athletic director? I said, you would think so, but it's not. Um, you know, my job is a little bit harder, uh, making sure that everybody's got a mask on. I, it's almost like I've turned into the mask police, you know, and hey, 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 guy, I need you to put your mask on. Hey, sir, can't come in here without a mask on, you know, and I've had some, some angry moms. I've had some angry moms about bite my head off at the front door when I don't let them in because they don't want to wear a mask. Sorry. And, and I think, Mark, you've talked about this before with, you know, and you guys talked about the whole situation, I think, in Ohio where the, you know, lady gets tased because she doesn't put a mask on. Whether, whatever your take is on that, you know, I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's not just there. Now, I didn't tase anybody. I didn't body slam anybody, whatever. But you, there's parents all over the place that, you know, it's like, hey, shut up, put your pride and ego to the side and let your kid and all these other kids play sports. Well, like Mike said, let the health professionals be the health professionals, right? I mean, exactly. it's not our job to argue with Department of Health. I, you know, as you're talking about that, we just got an email this morning from a, from a hockey dad. And uh, our, our, uh, <laughs> you know, Zach, you've listened to our podcast before. Hockey folks up here get, uh, get crazy. Um, but uh, just a full-blown lecture on, on herd immunity and and you know i i mean it was it was everything it was length of time since kids have gotten sick and and the percentages have got getting sick and what the quarantine rules should or shouldn't be and how silly this is and dumb that is and i can't believe this and that and and uh you know i, I talked to the principals at the school about it and and you know he's arguing about a lot of things that that it's what public health is telling us to do and we've all taken the stance like i mean look if, if you if you want me to design an inside veer against multiple fronts, I'll do that. I mean, if you want me to talk about what, you know, good leadership looks like on a basketball court, I'll do that. Uh, if you want to discuss with me about, you know, viral transmission in open air facilities, that's not my thing. And, you know, so when the Department of Health tells us this is how it's going to look, and that's how it's going to look. And, so, you know, we discussed that with the principals and ultimately what we landed on as a response to this dad was, thank you for your feedback. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not engaging you. I'm not engaging you in an argument about, you know, whether, whether you, who is a, a private business owner in basically a manufacturing industry in town, thinks about viral spread amongst our kids. And I'm an English teacher. I don't think we're the ones to stand on the corner and argue about how we should be treating COVID. And so, you know, I, Mike says that all the time, like that, that's what public health exists for. That, that's why we have our Department of Health is to tell us what we're supposed to do with that. And so, you know, those have been the arguments that we've, we've tried to avoid. It's like, I, I mean, great. I, I appreciate your opinion. Thanks for the feedback. Um, but I, I'm, we're not going to base what we do off of your feedback. I'm actually going to use these doctors over here who are telling us what to do. As weird as that sounds. Um, but yeah. uh, in your right, Zach, it's like, it's daily. I mean, it's, it's just daily, you know, because, because I, as a, you know, 
private consumer read a news article this morning that told me X, Y, and Z. And so I like what that said. And so that's, that's where I'm arguing now, you know, and, and, uh, it, and that's where so much of our management comes from. It's during the day, right? I mean, it's, I mean, you guys are into it too, close contact tracing. Mm. I mean, that occupies our entire day. I mean, as athletic directors, as principals in the classroom, um, it, it's just so much of our day and none of those phone calls are pleasant. None of them. And uh, yeah, it's a whole different world. I, I enjoy when I get calls about parents who are mad because their kid was cut or calling to ask me about the transfer rule or some of the normal things that people used to get mad about all the time. <laughs> yeah, just call me about one of those. That's, that's the discussion I want to have right now. Absolutely. Do you, do you know that, that I, I have yet to meet and all my travels are 23 years of being an AD. I've yet to meet the epidemiologist AD. I have yet to meet that combination. So um, that one isn't out there that I'm aware of. So I think I'll let the epidemiology rest with the people that actually know a little something about it. Now I know there's different angles of this and people play the science back and forth and there's, there's support for all kinds of things out there. So I, I'll just leave that kind of sit. But the part where um, we got to have some faith. You got to have some faith in people. People aren't trying to punish kids. They're not trying to put people in a worse spot. I, I believe that. I believe they're trying to do what's best for our society. And um, when you have that faith, then I think that you look at it and say that this is where it's going to eventually get to the part where we get to do these things if we'll do it right. And we just, we just as I say, put your damn mask on. That's, that's, <laughs> kind, of my, that's kind of my line. Absolutely. Hey, I mean, it's the same thing we tell the kids. Life's not fair. We all have to do things that we don't like to do or that we don't want to do. So just shut up and do it. Like Mike said, you know, um, recently got a, actually not recently, this would be fall season. Uh, now granted private school side of things. If you've got a middle through high school, we deal with middle school sports and high school sports. So we've got a, a middle school mom back in the fall who's got a son in eighth grade and he, uh, wants to play middle school boys soccer. We have our, our parent Zoom call. We explain our scenarios and our situations, and we explain what our protocol for our school plus our state association will be. And now, granted, the state association does not govern middle school sports for our schools, but we adopted everything that they put out there for our high school just to make it uniformed all the way down. Makes sense, right? She goes off on this tangent and says that it is detrimental to her son's health because he is such a, a great and healthy athlete for him to have to wear a mask all day. So we are not, because the rules that we came into, obviously small, small school, limiting our classes and things like that, we, believe it or not, I know it sounds crazy, we do not require our students to have to wear a mask all day as long as they're in their pod of their students that they do because we don't intermingle. We're small enough that where we can do that successfully. And we have been successful at it. Um, but if they were an athlete, they have now began to intermingle with other grades, other classes and other people. So the athletes were required to wear their mask all day. Well, she refused to do that. And in return, hey, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. You don't want your son, your daughter to do it, that's fine. But here's where she gets even crazier. She gets together with other parents and they create this uproar to the point where we almost didn't have a middle school boys soccer team because so many of them decided not to play when they found out the mask rule. 
at what point in time do parents, you know, put their egos and their prides aside and say, hey, there's more involved in this situation than just you and your child. And it, it's gotten out of control, but it's like what you guys have said. Hey, I'm an athletic director. You ask me any question about athletics, I can get it done. I'm not a doctor. I'm not, you know, I don't know anything about this pandemic other than what is, is told to me from the people in charge. You've hit on that. I mean, there's one difference there just with the size of the schools that, that Mike and I are in, you know, when, when individuals threaten to leave your program. Um, you know, again, we get this in hockey almost every year. It's, it's pretty common practice for kids to leave for a year to they're going to go chase their NHL dreams. And so they'll go, you know, try to find a juniors team somewhere else. And then I get to be the bad guy when they try to come back home for their senior year. And I tell them they're ineligible. Right. But, um, but, but this has always been uh, it's always been a threat. You know, if, if, you know, you're not doing this or this or that in the program, then, you know, we're, we're leaving, we're going to go down to, to Sioux Falls and we're going to go to Lincoln. We're going to go to Omaha. We're going to go play juniors. And, and that was actually, part of what has been going on this year um, again in hockey with with quarantine because one of the things that our public health has done is if at any time you're you're scrimmaging it's not just hockey we did it for football it's going to happen with basketball if there's a scrimmage piece um, your team's going to get quarantined if somebody's positive and you're and you're scrimmaging the the whole you know six feet by 15 minute window is going to get thrown out because of the rate of respiration and, and all of that and and uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was part of this hockey dad's message was, you know, if you guys don't change these quarantine rules, then I guess we're going to have to take a long look at our options and really simple answer. Best of luck to you. Right. I mean, we, you know, we, in our hockey programs, we're, we're cutting 20 kids a year between my two schools. I got somebody else to fill your spot. I'm not worried about where you're going. Best of luck to you. I mean, you know, and, and maybe a little different because your numbers are smaller. Um, right. You know, you, you probably can't afford to have an entire middle school soccer team walk away and not come back. Um, but I think moms and dads sometimes miss that also. It's, it's uh, you know, I, do I enjoy watching my teams win games and hang banners? 100%. 100%. But you know what? I would be fine if they don't, too. And, and even if you're the super stud and you decide you're pissed off about our quarantine rules and you take your talents elsewhere... I'm fine. Some other kid's going to be a part of our program. We're going to teach that kid all the good stuff that we want to teach him. But like just that, just that threat, right? Like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to exercise my option to play for somebody else. Then that'll show you. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it got, it was crazy. I mean, she made a big scene on our zoom call and by asking a bunch of questions. And then the next day I get an email forwarded from my head of school. It says, Hey, did you know about this? I was like, no, she didn't care to include the athletic director in that email. She sent it straight to the head of school. Love that too. That's another topic for another day. Um, but you know, so she responds back and says, well, I've included coach Shank in on this email as he is the athletic director and he handles these situations. It's like, you thought you were going to get around it. I just said it last night. So you email somebody else thinking you're going to, you know, it's like, Hey, Dad says no, but let me go ask mom and see what she says. It's that whole concept there. But yeah, yeah she's I mean, going to get you fired to boot. It's like yeah, a bonus for you. I, I would have politely said, peace out. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, sometimes dealing with parents is, is its own it's its own topic. And, and we, hey, we have some episodes on dealing with difficult parents. I'm sure you guys have talked about that in pretty much every episode. I think they always come up no matter what the topic is. But, hey, um, we need to do an entire series on that. Uh, so next topic, um, 
I wanted to just two more. We'll, we'll cut it to two more. Um, I want to talk about how your hiring of coaches and the process is for that. Um, I know talking with a couple of public school friends down in this direction, um, a lot of times they are hired by the school or, or whatever entity hires the teachers. And then the coaches are kind of picked out from that point on. Do you have the opportunity to go out and say, let me put an ad up, you know, obviously very random statement, but let me put an ad up on Craigslist for a, you know, middle school or, or a varsity boys basketball coach. Is that how it works for you guys or are they hired from within? Yeah, for us, it's not quite um, like that. Uh, we have our district hiring website and everything runs through our HR department at our school. We Now we have our Colorado High School Activity Association also has a jobs wanted board. So if we, if we have a, you know, a job needed, we can post it there. We can, and there are people that have gone to different uh, individual recruiting sites and had their job posted there to see if they wanted something coaching wise. Uh, I, I'm like, I think anybody in education, we'd love to tie our coaching jobs with a teaching job. We'd love to have the people that are working with our kids be working with those kids in more facets than just a coaching uh, capacity because the coaching stipend in our district's not going to certainly be a livable wage um now that's that could be different at other schools you know that are private they might have specific parameters that they're where they're charging different rates and, and their expect expectations are very different with the with the, what they're getting for a coach but um and, and it depends on what it is you know like for us the the roles that are hardest to find are, are much more niche especially tech sports it's 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 hard for us to find a gymnastics coach hmm. uh it's hard for us to find um a girls tennis coach those those are there, there's some real challenges to find some 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 sports that have uh components that are a little different now it, we, we're lucky we've filled all of our roles and we have them all you know all locked in but it, it is there's times when it can be really challenging on a, on a yearly basis to make sure that you have everything's needed and we just had a big conversation on our pod about golf uh, a couple of weeks ago about what what does golf look like and and we talked about you know golf coaches and golf coaches and what they how they're how they are very different depending on where you are uh, and what school district is is involved or what private school is involved with that. So, um, like I said, we, we are pretty much more straightforward. Everything runs through our district site, and then uh, we take it from there. And you know we post, and then and then we draw it down. And and I do a lot of sorting. I go through a lot of resumes through the course of the year for my AP job and tie it with athletics. So you as the athletic director get the opportunity to, whether it's interview or, or at least meet with them before the, the hiring opportunity comes, correct? Yes, most, I mean, depending on the department, um, like most, I, I handle all of our social studies interviews. So I handle all of our social studies, like if they have opening there, uh, I would be involved if there was a PE opening as well. Uh, things that tie themselves a little more naturally to grab gravitationally to coaches, I think are, are areas where I make sure that I'm involved. But if we had a high profile opening as well, I think I would get interjected into that teaching interview to make sure that if there was a, a uh, possibility of adding someone to our staff that had that had coaching capacity that they would be highly considered. Let's just say that. And I'll think that would be as a fair, a fair assessment of where we sit. Our principal is very, very supportive and, and understands he was a former teacher coach as well. So he gets it. Absolutely. Mark. 
Yeah, we're, we're a little different. Um, our, uh, our teaching and our coaching hires, um, they, so they all run under the HR umbrella, but they're really two separate entities or two separate processes. Um, you know, for me to hire an, an in-district coach, they have to be employed as a teacher first. Um, we, we very rarely have them coming in together. Um, and this is it, this is different than my previous two districts. Um, in my previous two, it was a lot like what Mike was talking about. Um, you know, if if uh, if you really needed a, a volleyball coach and a math teacher, and you get a candidate who can do both, and it appears as if they're going to be a serviceable individual in both of those roles, um, that became your candidate, right? And um, and now. Um, especially on the teaching end of it. And, and, you know, again, my, my degrees are in ed leadership. And so I don't fault our principals for this at all, but there is, you know, they, they, for most jobs, they get enough applicants where there's no willingness to sacrifice on the quality of your teacher for the purpose of coaching. Um, now that's, that's worked in both directions. Um, you know, I've been here nine years. I've, I've lost a couple coaches that I wanted to hire because they weren't selected as teachers in the district. Um, likewise, I think there's been two times where uh, our, our principals lost teachers because I wasn't going to hire them as a coach, um, you know, where, where they interviewed um, really well as a teacher. And so what, what we try to do for those folks, if, if we happen to have those jobs open at the same time, um, what we'll do is we'll interview them as teachers first. And then if they express an interest in an open, an open coaching position, we'll do the coaching um, interview afterwards. And if they're from out of town, what I'll do is I'll usually catch them at the school after their teaching interviews. They'll go through the teaching interview process. And then um, me and, and one of the associate principals will, will sit down and have just an additional discussion about the coach. Uh, but the process of hiring them tends to be different. And you know, like I said, I mean, there's, there was, in fact, we had one last year where um, our, our principals really liked this individual as a teacher. And, you know, as I was having the discussion with the candidate, it, it was, it was every wrong answer to every question that, that I look for. And, and I just said, I'm, I'm, I'm not hiring this person to coach for me. Uh, you know, you, by all means, you can hire me to teach. And of course, when, when, you know, they got offered the teaching job without coaching, they didn't want it. Um, now that, that does leave us in a position, you know, like Mike was talking about, especially in certain positions where you know our only two qualifications for the job is is living and interested and sometimes i'm fine with just one of those things right living or interested one of the two um, and, and i'll hire you to coach um, and, and so you get stuck with those and we're seeing that a little bit in the classroom you know our teaching candidates have started to to die down a little bit too but um yeah for the most part it's separate um complete opposite you know the first school i was at which was smaller uh, closer in size to yours zach um, everything was collaborative. You know, we, we posted our coaching jobs and our teaching jobs all at the same time. Um, in fact, and, and I, was a, I was a benefactor of that um, because, you know, when, when I got hired, they needed, they needed an English teacher and a football coach. And you don't often find that combination. And here I am, an English teaching football coach. And so, boom, you're in, <laughs> right? And so it was, it was a benefit. I'd like to think I'd have got hired for him anyway, but um, but it, it certainly helped me out. And, and we had some of those along the way where you tried to package them together and bring individuals in. And so, you know, like I said, on the flip side of that, that means you might be working with somebody harder. You know, it might be somebody who's a, who's a great teacher, but needs a lot of help in the coaching world or, or vice versa. Uh, but I think the size of school really makes a difference because it's going to alter the, maybe even the size of community more than the size of school, because it really changes your candidate pool. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I work pretty hand in hand when it comes to uh, our head of school and our principals who interview for teacher positions. Um, and there's always, our head of school is very um, on top of things when it comes down to, hey, you know, are you involved in athletics? Do you have any connections or, or background in any form of athletics whatsoever? And she'll send me a text immediately and say, hey, just interviewed so-and-so. If you'd like to set something up, please let us know. Um, and we can bring them back. Everything looks promising for the educational side of it. Um, if you'd like to talk to them about athletics, let's take this right, you know. So she's, she works with me. Um, but at the end of the day, um, if that person comes in and they get offered the teaching position and they take the teaching position, but yet not real sure on the, the, the coaching side of it, um, I can find someone else to f uh, fill that spot. Um, and, and, and I do the interview process. I do the hiring. Uh, of course, they have to go through background checks, uh, you know, national background checks, all that other stuff that, you know, every, every school district and system has uh, put in place. So they go through all that, they pass all that, and um, kind of the day that they interview, in a sense, and they fill out all that paperwork, we go down to the front office and they, they meet the head of schools and the principals. And that's just kind of the, the first initial interaction that they have. But uh, our head of school has been great about that. Uh, has really allowed me to just kind of take the reins and just say, hey, you know what needs to be filled, take it and get it done. You know what a team needs to be successful, let's get it done. Now, you know, has there been somebody who has fallen short of what their job title is and, and not made the requirements and the things that they need to? Absolutely. Does she know about that? Absolutely. And she knows about the, the coaching changes, whether it's for a negative reason or whether for it's just a, hey, we're going in a different direction or that coach is going in a different direction you know, I keep her in the loop as well. And, uh, you know, and it's, again, communication and over communicating is always a good thing. Um, and what I've learned in my uh, short time of being an athletic director is if you communicate, a lot of people aren't going to ask you a whole lot of questions because they know you're going to give up the information at some point. And so and that's one thing is, you know, I always try to let her know, hey, here's what's going on. Hey, hired so-and-so. I think they're going to be a great fit for this, this position. So, and, and in return, she's in, you know, trusted me in the process to allow me to kind of make those decisions on my own, which has been great. Um, so it really, you know, answers our questions of, of the difference of coaches. We have a lot of out-of-building coaches. We call them out-of-building coaches who are, do not teach. Uh, we do have a lot of out-of-building coaches in comparison to our in-building coaches. Um, I am an athletic director, um, but I am also a coach. Um, and I know that is one thing that uh, a lot of public school athletic directors do not have the opportunity or privilege to coach because they have now been put into that position of uh, high leadership at the athletic director side of things. Um, do either one of you guys currently coach a team right now? I guess my next well, I, question is, are you uh, allowed to? It would be really tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not allowed to. Nor I don't. There's just no no way to function in my my role with that if that would happen. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's tough. You know, we're we're off school this week for you know it is the holiday week, Thanksgiving. Uh, we were off school and we had basketball practice today. We had basketball practice in the morning, and then my wife and I are going to hit the road traveling. Uh, you know, so. Uh, unfortunately, we could have already been gone, um, but, you know, my wife is a champ. I hope she listens to this episode, so I get a little brownie points here um, because it was a hot topic in our house earlier uh, today. Um, but anyway, so, you know, we could already be with family, could already be celebrating the week, hanging out, but instead here we are practicing.
you know, so it has its pros and cons. Uh, I love the opportunity to keep my, you know, competitive side uh, out there. Um, but there are times where it is like, okay, I'm an athletic director. I've just done three games. You know, I've been sitting at three games. Now I have to coach a game. Then I have to clean up the gym. Then I have to make sure all the athletic duties are done before I leave. Oh, it's 1130 at night. And I have to be back here the next day at 730. And, and other people don't realize that. You know, and they're like, oh, you're an athletic director. You just deal with sports and kids all day. What do you really do? Oh, come, come, come sit with me for a day, you know? Um, so that is, uh, you know, something that we face on the regular here, especially on the small school side of things. Yeah, I think that's pretty typical. And actually, there, there are districts, we've talked about it in our pod before, kind of a state-by-state variance. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Texas. It's, it, I mean, you're going to find uh, uh, most can I use the word most, Mike? Most AD jobs come with head football. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think a lot of that is more, you know, because that's how you can then pay your head football coach more than, than a normal coaching salary. You know, you yeah. give them some administrative. 150000 a year, right, just to coach football? Yeah. yeah, or you can put those two together. But I, I think you hit on it. There's no – in my role, there's no way. Now, I know two ADs before me, um, the AD had to step into a coaching role for a year because – um, it was a, it was a late, um, I can't remember if it was a resignation. I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was, it was a late change and there wasn't time to, to vet good candidates that happened to be in hockey, which was his expertise. Um, and, and he stepped in and coached and, uh, I, I can't imagine what a miserable four months that must've been. Um, I mean, he had to have been stretched so thin. Uh, you know, I just, I, I look at how spent I am when I get home at the end of the day, I, I can't imagine throwing practices and games and, and film and all of those other things on top of it. Okay. Well, as, uh, as we're wrapping things up, Mark, I saw you, I know this is a topic on uh, off duties. Saw you drinking something earlier tonight. What, what were you drinking? I'm actually, you reading, uh, I'm not taking the thunder. I just want to give you guys a chance to get a plug in. I, I'm, I'm right in Mike's wheelhouse tonight. This is his go-to the, uh, the Lagunitas. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's Mike's favorite that's his go-to so that's that's what i had today yeah i know it's a, a cool topic that you guys do towards the end of y'all's uh, podcast so um that is it uh for this episode uh i'm really excited that uh that you guys were willing to meet with me um and uh, just get a chance to kind of sit down and, and and shed some light on the private school and the, and the public school side of things and in multiple different states uh, across the country um, so I really do appreciate you guys and the off duty ADs and, and, uh, been listening to you guys for, for a while now, um, and, and really do enjoy listening to you guys and, and, and hearing what you guys have to say. And, uh, kind of goes back to our, our thought of, of why we started ours was more so for the private school side of things, you know, there, there's a big difference there, you know, and uh, a lot of people don't understand that. Um, but there's a lot that goes on between the two sides that are just, you know, they're, they're similar in ways, but they're also so different. Um, and so I, I do appreciate you guys and, and uh, excited to, uh, to see where we both go um, and excited for uh, uh, maybe a future connection and a uh, chance to network further. So again, on behalf of the Winning Way podcast, thank you to all the off-duty ADs and uh, Mark and uh, Mike on uh, meeting with us um, and getting a chance to uh, hear about you guys. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun chatting. Absolutely. This is the Winning Way Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Winning Way or email us at the Winning Way Podcast at gmail.com. Enjoy.
Today's episode is brought to you by One Heartbeat Athletics. If you're looking on how to build a warrior culture in your athletic department, then look no further. One Heartbeat Athletics is guaranteed to enhance your team's toughness and change the lives of your athletes. If you're interested in setting up a free 15-minute preview, please email Tommy Brown at bethethumb at yahoo.com. That is bethethumb at yahoo.com.